When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for the Expanse on Amazon Prime. I I don't know what to call it now because it's over. Uh, this is the series wrap up, season six wrap up, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to consider a lot of feedback today. Uh, I'm, I'm here with my host, Aaron. This is a weird intro. I apologize, but it's 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 a different thing here. It's not, ev- you know, like of all the podcasts, and we've recorded over 3,000 now, I think. I was just looking at the, yeah, the it's count. Insane. Uh, the, the number of series we put to bed remains very small. I mean, I can uh-huh. think of like, you know, like uh, Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Game of Thrones and... Uh, you know, just to, just just to name a few leftovers, but there's it's not like there's been a just a tremendous amount of shows that the of those podcasts low double digits. So like oh, yeah. I, it's 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 a rare it's, it's rarefied air. It's like what do you do? How do you introduce it? How do you how do you put a cap? <laughs> how do you put six. a cap on on a a voyage that that listeners have spent six years plus on? Uh, that's had a, yeah. a fan save campaign that switched networks. That's you know. Um, yeah, this was a, tough. a pretty wild ride too. You know, most shows will just get you know if they get six seasons, it'll be six in a row, no no uh, troubles, no bubbles, and then they're out. Uh, this one had some troubles. Uh, I think we're all aware of that, and I'm, I'm I think we're all happy that we got what we got, right? I mean, as we as we approach probably the end of the expanse, I don't think anybody is disappointed in. The six seasons we got, I think it's the dis- if disappointment. If there is any comes from, we're not going to get more of it potentially. Yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, I, I really love this show. I think everybody listening also really love this show. Uh, we're going to get to those people's thoughts today. We have a ton of feedback. Uh, I, I'm looking at a Google Doc here with about 14 pages of it. I, and even then, I had to chop and screw a bunch. I had to cut some that were just sure. obvious duplicates um so i apologize if i don't get to everyone here but i'm gonna get to as much as i can and it's not just gonna be stuff that you know spurs conversation it's also gonna be getting to people's final thoughts on a show they loved i think that's just as important so yeah i agreed and um and if you i mean we've already talked so much about this like we had a two plus hour episode that we just discussed over the weekend that we were joined by a YouTuber. Uh, Pete Peppers, um, mm-hmm. who's been covering the podcast with a lot of success on YouTube. Uh, we had a three-hour conversation with him and his co-host. Uh, by the way, we're going to post the entirety of that uh, to our premium feeds. So if you're a Patreon member or a club member, you should be able to get that. Um, you know, you can also, I think, hunt it out on Pete's channel if you, if without too much trouble. But we're going to podcastify it uh, for all of our premium listeners. So you can go to support.ballmove.com if you want to get in on that action. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like there'll be 
probably close to 10 hours of content for the final <laughs> uh, to, to, to put the expanse to bed uh and i think that's that feels appropriate um i haven't sometimes when we got to the end of something like i'm thinking game of thrones in particular i was done talking about it you know when it was over because like i just wanted to like get in my car throw the throw the 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 gear in reverse and just throw gravel all over while i was peeling out of that parking lot but the expanse you know i'm like yeah you want to talk more expanse we'll talk more expanse yeah let's stay here for a minute you know I'm also, I went, um, I, I still have like, I think they estimated a week, week and a half to get uh, to uh, Babylon's Ashes because I still got to read book six. I haven't read book six yet. Oh, um, right. But I found all the short stories are like available in the Cincinnati Public Library System. So I started mm-hmm. reading, uh, um, oh God, what was the, the churn? Oh, the Amos Amos. One last yeah, night. that's a good one. Uh, I got Strange Dogs. Mm-hmm. I got, was it Side Jobs? What's the one that the... Uh, I don't, the, the, I don't the, the, there's one that uh, yeah the about Wait, Bobby, Bobby on Mars I think yeah it's not called side jobs it's there's definitely one there though and that one's side also, hustle th- th- that one's pretty economy. good a lot of this stuff has been incorporated into the show right I'm not yeah I'm not totally certain yeah, yeah. you need to read book six but I know you nah, want but to it's I I, I want to read book six just yeah. to see just to complete it and uh you know take some take my time reading some of these short stories and then I'll I'll, I'll get on because yeah I don't have a I don't have a schedule for my expanse fandom going forward. Um, I'm going right into Persepolis me. Rising, man. I got to get I got to get on these books. I got sixty uh, it, hours it, of audiobooks ahead of me. Oh, I know. Is that all? Is that how long it takes to get through them all? That's not as bad. No, as I thought, the last I, three. It's twenty each, man. It's. These oh, are, 20 each. Okay. Yeah, these are big books. Um, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. It wouldn't surprise me if Jim and I talk about our experience with the books at some point. Um, almost for sure on our premium off the clock podcast. Yeah, uh, totally. we might if, if, if there's if, if we're sync, synced up and there's enough interest, maybe we'll do it here. We'll see. Yeah, um, who knows? But for sure, this is going to be the last, I think, Expanse podcast uh, for a while. And if they bring it back, we will obviously come back and consider the rest of the show here in this podcast yes. feed. But yeah, as long as they don't fuck it up, I'll, I'll definitely. Give we them won't a know until we already start podcasting about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, we will definitely do a season seven, a movie seven, a series seven. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they've recast it and make it a mockery. Then who knows? But uh, I'm... <laughs> yeah. We'll do you see. think it's like one thing I got out of? you know, talking on Pete's pod or Pete's videos, uh, his channel is like, it does. We, we talked about, it, it does feel like the, the lack of desire to continue with the expanse kind of comes from on high and like maybe even from the Dan and Ty side. Um, I know that they're moving forward with another literary endeavor that has nothing to do with the expanse. Uh, I think there yeah. is like a, 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 a TV show or a movie kind of like attached to it as well. It could be that they're like want to get away from the expanse for a while. I understand that you work on something for a decade. It's like, what else can I do? Right. I'm, I'm it could feel stifling to be stuck in this universe. I think but, I want to do this another five years. Why these other opportunities are getting cold. Yeah. 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 So I get it. Um, at the same time, I seriously doubt if there were an offer on the table that they would pass doing a, another few seasons or a series of movies around this it's just weird how they like specifically put out the request to not petition amazon and then not putting pressure on them because they're like 
I don't know. It, John, it either John says Snow, they don't want it. <laughs> it, it. Maybe that's the case. Uh, the other option here is that perhaps there is something brewing behind the scenes, and they don't want to harsh it by. They, they just don't need you sacks to, of to go do dog that, right? shit on on Jeff Bezos' porch. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I I'm roundly rejecting the idea that there is some kind of deal in the works. There's <laughs> no too. fucking way. Me too. Yeah. Like that's the other thing I came out that like I had heard rumors, but like yeah, it's like that the sets are gone. They've uh-huh. like chainsawed them up. Uh, the costumes are like and like the props are all being a catalog for auction. Uh, the uh, all all the behind the scenes oh, people, the VFX crew, the production designers, they have moved on. Like this is the band is not getting back together without a lot of work and a lot of yeah. uh, uh, n- n- brand new ground floor development on on stuff. And that's that's yeah. I and you, you'll you'll hear me. This is a complete turnaround from where I was three months ago. Like oh, I yeah. was like, oh yeah, this is the, you know. In fact, we'll probably get a renewal before even the first episode. This is just a bunch of gamesmanship. <laughs> No, no, I, I really think it's it's going to be over for a while. That's a bummer. Yeah, it seems like the end. Uh, if Bald Move, hypothetically, were to bid uh, uh, on one of these auctions, what item would you be looking at? Amos's devil pin would be pretty fucking oh, good, that'd right? Be sweet. Yeah, that would look really good on my Alpine hat uh, for <laughs> my German fest <laughs> needs. Sure, um, yeah. I was thinking Miller's think. hat. But boy, that's going to be a popular hat, one. That's going for thousands. Any, any of the main crew's helmet that actually has like Nagata yeah. or like, you know, Burton or like on the forehead would be a really prized. But a pair of mag boots would be. Uh-huh. I try, I'm trying to think like the stuff that's like really iconic. Uh, I mean, certainly Bobby's power armor is going to be up for auction. But holy oh, shit. Talk about expensive. That shit should go to the Smithsonian for display. Right? Um yeah, I'm trying to think because um, so, a lot some of the shooting models is, would be cool. I don't, I don't know if they do like a lot of shooting models in this show. Um, they probably right, just do more CG. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I always um, love shooting models for shows. Those are cool. Yeah, I think, uh, and a lot of the other. I, I was trying to think of like particular guns. I think those are just off the shelf guns. Uh, like Miller shit's... had a really nice six shooter, but I think that's just a real gun. Uh, well, a lot of you can stuff is three D printed. Like they will, they will take those real items really? and they will add on to them with like. Yeah, they, they have a really bits. good three D printing in house studio there um, at Alcon. They do. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Adam Savage videos going behind the scenes on that stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, but, I would. Okay. I wouldn't mind a pair of mag boots, though. That would be pretty. Yeah, especially if they got the lights on the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walk around in pumps. Yeah, <laughs> do that. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, I think we should probably take a quick break and then get over to our feedback because we have a lot of it. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, 
We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, we'll start off with a kind of fun one here, uh, but one that I had a hard time with. Ethan asks, with the, with the show sadly over now, I'm curious to know what your picks are for your favorite season and your favorite episode of the show. And I'll give you a little bit of time here. He's got season three is easily his favorite. Uh, I love the conclusion of the hybrid story, but the final half takes the cake for me because I absolutely love the cosmic horror and the mystery of the ring gate. I'll never forget the moment when the ring gates opened for the first time and my jaw dropped. However, my favorite episode is the finale of season five Nemesis Games. I've rewatched this episode more times than I care to admit. It's got everything. Epic space battles, emotional deaths, heartwarming and triumphant moments, and an absolutely horrifying final scene with the unknown aggressors destroying the barkeep. I'd love to hear your favorite picks for favorite, or I'd love to hear your picks for favorite season and or episode. Thanks. I, I spent a bit of the time because you, you prepped me for this question, thinking about it and jotting down like the favorite, like the jaw dropping moments in the expanse. And I think there's been a bunch, you know, like, yeah, I, I think the first the, the first one is uh, episode four, close quarters battle, like, you know, death of shed uh, and just the first kind of like chunky space battle that we get in the expanse. Mm-hmm. Um, but others are like that really kind of like dropped my jaw was the episode with the Navu mist Eros. Yes. Yes. I love that. Because that was set up and this is like this is what I was talking about with ep- with what I think was missing in season six where it's like that was such a clever plan and they set it up like him going and like shining on the Mormons like he's interested in uh-huh. you know and then them commandeering the thing and the Mormon like you know what a geopolitical shit fit or astropolitical shit fit that was going to be and uh, the the things going wrong and him having to stay there and, and seeing the Navu get bigger and bigger. And then it just, it just misses. And you found out that Eros dodged <laughs> right? something that we know can't happen. One of those things where like the, the main plan was fully satisfactory and kind of like amazing in its own right. And then it yeah. didn't work and it had to desperation plan something else. That's the kind of like dead ends that you really invested in spent several episodes developing that I don't think they had time for in, in season six, but like, yeah, that was amazing. And then of course, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the, 
the first book into his moment, which is the protomolecule taking flight from Venus. Mm-hmm. What a, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. I thought I, I was thinking like, oh, like, where are they going? This protomolecule, where are they going? This? It's so much more interesting than the space zombie shit that I thought that they were going with. But like, I did not yeah. see this thing taking off. And then reconstituting itself as a Stargate. Mm-hmm. Like, that just really blew the series open. I thought those were some of the, some of the more memorable moments that uh, uh, I can think of. Yeah, all those are crazy memorable. And most of my, my memories are coming from the books, right? And I'm just seeing them play out on the screen in interesting right. ways. Um, there were a few moments where they changed it up. But I, I think like overall, season three is probably my favorite. It's got the investigator, right, who's leading Holden around to all of um to discover what the the ring is all about. Um Dandelion Sky is an excellent episode. That's the one where Holden actually goes into, you know, the ring. Yep. Um It's the penultimate for season three, right? Or is that the last uh, one? No, there's actually a few episodes after it. Um and, and the one after it, Fallen World, I actually like quite a bit. Um that's the one where Drummer and Ashford are trapped in the cargo hold. They're pinned by like one of those tractors. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's that's a lot to Melted me like ingenuity at its finest <laughs> yeah right uh, but it's a lot like the fly from breaking bad which is one of my favorite episodes of that mm-hmm. show where mm-hmm. you know it's kind of contained and characters are forced to deal with emotions and um it, it's well written from that perspective even if it's not the most exciting episode but yeah dandelion sky is excellent uh i'll throw another one out the death of clace ashford yeah. I thought that was so yeah. well handled, like the the 180 of Marco being over him and and uh, him t- doing the sneaky thing that kind of blows, uh, you know, the, the the thing that blew the lid off of, of this season. Right. Or was it last season? It, um, I can't remember him like doing the recording turned out to be a big plot development. Yeah. But then him just him just going out singing the execution doc song uh, until space literally snatches breath away. That was such a great character and yes. one of those things where like they rescued that character from the books because he is such a one dimensional kind of insane guy mm-hmm. and he's so interesting in the show and they gave him just a really badass final scene that then kicked drummers amazing macho Peru arc into high gear. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. It's great. It is. All right, let's move on to Norm F. Well, no, I, nope. I got. I got to run through quick. Oh shit! I got quick, quick, and they're all. They're we almost can't all list of, uh, every episode. Aaron, uh, uh, Amos teaching Chrissy how to walk in grav boots. Sure, I sure. am that guy. Yep, yep. Amos testing out his new hand. Bobby discovering the joys of the cucumber sandwich aboard Jules Pierre, Jules Pierre Meow's uh, yeah. flagship. These are these Such, are like moments. Right? Go back and. Yeah. W- Go back and watch. Go back. I just, I just, it's so funny. Her like bite in and like, oh my god, and looking around and then her just like double fisting him while no one's watching. Uh-huh. Um, and then, then the other like my all time favorite like crew moment is Bobby's first stint on the ship where she's like stomping around threatening to commandeer it, and like you just look at, at like Alex's reaction to this. Amos trying to outflank her with like this four foot fucking pig iron wrench. It's so funny, especially yeah. in retrospect to, to go back and watch it. So yeah, I had to get, those are like my, fi- those are not the best, but they're my favorite moments. The sure. ones that put a smile on my face. Okay. Can we move to Norm F now? Or do you want yes. to list the rest of the episode? Done. <laughs> All right. Done. I'm done. Uh, Norm F says, Hey all, I love the final episode, especially the small moments. 
the dinner with the crew, Marco having a last chance to be real with his son, but going out being a dick. Uh, mm. Then you add Bobby providing air support, which is badass. Of course, there's the machinations with Avasarala throughout and even getting her getting outmaneuvered. I can even forgive the almost obvious flashback to Philip piecing out before the big battle. And I'll take 30 minutes of Laconia scenes before each show that go nowhere to have the clean ending they have. I would have been disappointed to have a Laconian Death Star coming out of the ring gate or Kara and her brother uh, running around seeing more blue. Just like Naomi said, give them a few minutes apiece. Let's hope we'll have more expanse in future podcasts, but if not, I'm fine with the way the series ends. Uh, also he has a PS here one final insult from Amazon if you download the seasons you can't get those extra featurettes only if you're streaming mm. yeah yeah that makes sense it's it's a shame because um, we did have Blu-rays of the Expanse until we got the season I think there was one for season 4 not so far for season 5 I doubt we will Seriously? be getting any more special at uh, I don't know. I maybe want. there'll be a complete series edition with a bunch. Like I would definitely exactly. spend a hundred bucks on that. Yes, but not doing the. I don't know. If I, you want to fund season seven, eight, nine, just release a Blu-ray set, and I will buy it, and that'll give just, you a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be one <laughs> one millionth of the way to right. funding it. I, right. I it's it's always going to be a head scratcher how the largest merchandiser on the planet could not merchandise the expanse even to the extent of servicing like the audio visual component of it you know and if they're like well we got yeah. x-rays your x-rays suck man if your x-rays included like a director's commentary or crew cast and crew commentary and some behind it but just a one ship on one season doesn't quite do it for me so yeah. yeah, I, I, I wish, I wish Amazon. I and I don't know why they didn't. I, it, I, I, and I can't think of a show that Amazon merchandises correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like it's a giant blind spot for a man who seems to live in an eyeglasses of Eporium. I to to have. <laughs> I don't understand it. You know, get the correct yeah. vision. Jeff, need to consult with Disney or something because they got this down. All right, Ben. Uh, says, hi, Aaron and Jim. I really enjoyed the episode. From listening to your podcast, I think we had really similar viewpoints on it. But here are a few questions I had coming away from it. The credits. I didn't hear this brought up in the podcast, but as the credits ran, I sat through them, and at first, it just seemed focused on the ring, but as the credits rolled, then there then was the red alien entity, and eventually it was battling with the protomolecule. I found this really interesting because if you look at the size of the red against the blue of the protomolecule, it was far bigger. I feel this gave us a bit more of an insight of just how much bigger in scale this alien fire entity is and maybe showed what happened after they had awoken the entity and subsequently what would happen on Laconia. It was a nice tease by the writers. Like you, I'm gutted not to see any more, but it means we will be reading the books now. Uh, did you see that? I I didn't go check I this did. out. I I was watching it and like that's something that they did starting I think this season is mm-hmm. like uh, you know for the last few you've just kind of zoomed in on the ring gate and there's sure. been a hint of red. Uh and this one like it it like, you, like they said it kind of took over the gate. I don't know what they're saying that's because like can can we talk about I mean I don't I don't know if this is a spoiler at this point. That the next book takes place 30 years in the future from where we're at right now. Right. So 
I don't like, and, and that doesn't mean they have to in the show that they would, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's got to be some kind of time gap uh, to to let whatever. I, and I don't know why it takes that long. To, 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 I don't either. But, but that implies that that implies that there's a whole bunch of things that is not the authors themselves don't think is vital to the plot that happens in those 30 years. I've heard they that they had years. two other books that they wanted to tuck in there and realized it would be boring. So they cut them just but, not enough like a, yeah or yeah, yeah like the rossi just kind of like doing anti-piracy work or for 30 so so i i have a hard time squaring because that's what i thought too like and that's the other thing i mentioned this on pete's show is like i don't understand why the unn and mars just sits back on their side of the gate and never goes through laconia maybe laconia is just armed to the teeth and they got a hundred of those rail guns mounted on the perimeter of the gate on that side yeah and, I can it's see just that. a suicide mission to try to go through at this point, um, especially with the ring gate aliens that are not wanting large ships that you got, you know, like I, but, but like I had and a whole bunch of questions. The numbers. Like I, if I think about it, okay, Marco's fleet is gone, but the free Navy is still out there and how much resistance are they going to provide? Right. Are they, are they just they done now that their leader's the, gone or yeah, the remnants and you got it still. So there's, you got to mop that like up and that takes ships. But, but like if, if the ring gates are that, angry and there's that they're that close to the aliens getting out like i don't understand the time jump and how it could be boring so <laughs> i i think yeah. it's more of like a tease for the long term of of the expanse's future um but i i, I don't know how i don't know how it interfaces with how the series would go forward from here mm-hmm uh, he does have another question. This may have been explained before in a previous podcast, so apologies if it has, but are these Laconia dogs creations, uh, sorry, are these Laconia dogs creations of the protomolecule, as clearly they possess the abilities of the protomolecule? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think there's some information about there that maybe we didn't talk about. Um, yeah. Explaining that, yes, they were created when the protomolecule was brought um the the samples that duarte had they were kind of like act, either activated or brought up this is something that we talked about with pete on his show because yeah. he's read strange dogs and he talked he he th- gave us like a pop quiz is like did you get all the things that they were suggesting no. i got none of them right there was like three <laughs> or four different things and i'm like to me this made the strange dog segments even more of a failure if like you had to read the book to know what they were getting at yeah um and I just didn't, but apparently that was one of the implications that, and I, and I, now that I know that I can go back and think about, you know, the parents weren't afraid of her going out and finding these dogs because they just didn't exist. You know, mm-hmm. like there weren't any megafauna kind of like when Miller shows, uh, when, when Miller and Holden show up on Illus and suddenly you get yeah. the swarms of protomolecule locusts that had never been there before. Yeah. Like. If, if if you squint, I can kind of, but like, I thought that was a failure of visual storytelling that they didn't make that explicit, that those dogs came only because they brought the proto, the active protomolecule sample through the gate. Yep. I agree. All right, let's move on to Ray. Hey guys, I'm super happy about the season finale and series finale, perhaps. And thanks for getting me into watching the show uh, in the first place. I wanted to offer some thoughts as a book reader here regarding the final trilogy and a possible adaptation uh i don't think this is spoilery so we'll see uh if they adapt the final trilogy with the same cast and crew and an improved budget i don't think there is any risk in it being disappointing Uh, so something that maybe we talked about with pete um that it's a very risky thing to bring this back after such a good ending 
in my opinion, it's a great continuation of the story. However, I know the ideas of movies have been thrown around, and I can't see them doing the books justice in that little screen time. Uh, about the expanding scope of the Expanse story, that's mildly interesting. The end of the sixth season and book both offer a very good end to the political story of the Expanse, and the subsequent books are definitely different in that they really do address the alien threats. It will probably feel like a different show, but to be fair, the Expanse has jumped between genres every season and done so very masterfully. Remember when the show was a half space detective noir? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too early on, it certainly was. Uh, no. s- sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that that's something I've surmised like when I was thinking about like the next trilogy similarly expands the scope of the series because like so far it's just been humans like we've had proto molecule but that's that's been like us mucking around with an alien tool slash weapon that we don't it's like us discovering a powerful ray gun yeah it didn't introduce aliens it's just you know we had this artifact we're fucking around with and getting in over our heads not checking doors and corners. It seems to me that the next sequence uh, the main phase of the expanse will introduce either the protomolecule builders or uh, certainly these red aliens that I think exterminated the proto. So like, and th- that's yeah. the thing where it's like, man, how can they conceivably tell that story and have humans come out on top? Because <laughs> these guys the took the protomolecule builders out at their height. Like what hope uh-huh. do us monkeys with screwdrivers possibly have uh, against them? But like, that's, that's yeah. the promise that it's going to be full on, like Star Trek alien type shit happening in addition to all the rest of the human drama. So yeah, that's, the I, thing I think that too. sounds cool. Like I, I don't, I don't want to lose the human stuff, right? I'm super interested right. to see what that's happens why... with the transport union X amount of yeah. years from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and maybe, as as maybe both, that'd be great. The only thing I can think of is, is like, it's a race against time to contain the aliens. Like they're starting to, and like if, 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 if humans can work together, then they can maybe nip this in the bud and put them back to sleep or something. Because like, yeah, I, these what? people can destroy an entire solar system when they want to. I don't think we've got any defense against that. I was going to say, what if it's a race to like destroy the ring gate, but the belters, the transport union doesn't want to, cause it's their only power. Like, well, that would be interesting know, too. Yeah. That, that, that could be interesting, but I, I have no idea. I haven't read the, the book seven, eight, nine. I will. Uh, yeah. I'm excited too. Uh, also, uh, in regard to a continuation of this, uh, he goes on, Dan and Ty have a new science fiction series, which you talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a deal with Orbit, and it's scheduled to be published next year, I think. They've said repeatedly that they won't write any more stories in the Expanse universe, but I do think there's ample room for fan fiction that can fill in some gaps. Uh, wouldn't know anything about writing fan fiction in the Expanse universe. <laughs> Absolutely nothing at all. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, yeah, and- if you're looking for someone to write some uh, Christmas novellas, uh, <laughs> sure. I, I uh, that's the thing. I, I was wondering if they would do some kind of like George R. R. Martin kind of anthology editing. Like I could see them having fun with that. But yeah, it does seem like they want to put the expanse behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and fair enough, you know. Like I said, you spend a decade on something. I can see wanting to to move on. If you have bigger and better horizons to move on to, why not? Yeah, and they're still um, planning on working together, which I like because I've been a big fan of the stuff that's come out of those two. So, sure. Yeah, whatever they do next, I'm in for, especially as I hear it's a space opera sort of thing. Uh, All right, Christina from Ohio says, I feel as if there was a missing element to how viscerally fucked up encountering the Red Beings really is. 
much in the way they never got uh, to the effect of the mods, how agonizing and horrifying that experience is also. Um, it almost made Marco being eaten feel tame. I need Dr. Okoye to be much more haunted still when talking to Jim and Naomi. Uh, yeah, that's something we have discussed as well, is just, you know, it it almost felt like a serene, peaceful experience in a way, right? As you're just kind of looking on and it's it's de-atomizing you, but what are you feeling? You know, there there's no yeah. screaming, right? Naomi screams uh, louder than Marco does in this scene. So, yeah, it's, um, I agree. I agree. I would have liked more from that. Yeah, I... But on the other hand, I guess, like, does that say, does that say something about our unevolved nature that, like, we don't want, we just don't want a threat removed from the board and something to be safer. We want something to suffer. Yeah. Uh, Payback. Because, yeah, it's not clear to me that there's any suffering involved at all. I think it's probably over in an instant. On the other hand, maybe it's like the Sarlacc pit where you're. You're taken to some kind of hellraiser dimension, and you you can enjoy each molecule being dissolved over an in, over an infinity because you're in a singularity, and the time yeah. is eternal. Like, you know, I I will say that like that's one of the things I thought like that. That's why I thought it's so rushed. It's like you know, uh, Naomi's like aliens, and Holden's really like aliens, and everybody else was like aliens, and. <laughs> yeah like i got from the books i even got from uh both the uh, uh was there a Koye? is that her name mm-hmm. and and holden like what a, a terrifying experience it is and like how unsettling it is to go back through ring transits now to to, to be aware that those things are kind of in the water you know it's like seeing yeah. going to the beach and having a good time and then watching the movie jaws and be like shit um i wish they did lean i did i do wish they leaned more into that yeah for yeah. sure I'm I'm certain that has to be a concern in the next three books. Has to that yeah. you can like at any time, even being careful, being eaten by a ring gate. Yeah, yeah. I guess everybody will be going in single file. Yeah, and you right? know what? And you know what? That will not stop humanity because nope. we've seen like. Do you know the the fucking losses that you had during the age of exploration, the age of sail? It was shocking and horrifying. How many ships <laughs> would just be lost at sea? So, like, yeah, no one will give a fuck if there's economic opportunity on the other side. Right. All right, J-Cubed says, hey, guys, I really enjoyed finishing out the series and listening to your thoughts along the way. I do feel that especially the last episode, you could really feel how rushed the ending was. I definitely feel it could have let the Free Navy's burn to the ring gate unopposed build a bit more and less uh, let the sense of impending doom breathe a bit more. I also feel like the plot line of random ships disappearing as a bit uh, more front and center in the books and not quite as well developed for the show and seemingly just pops out of the blue here but what you gonna do I really feel they did the most with this final season with what they had to work with opposite of Game of Thrones where HBO seemed to beg the double D's to slow down for more episodes or seasons uh, I read the Amos and Bobby scene a little differently on the ring station maybe I'm wrong but I thought his screaming while being over her was indicating that he was trying to move her from harm's way but her mag boot was holding fast and he couldn't budge her. Thanks again for your coverage, and I am here for episodes talking about the final three books. Oh, I don't know. I want to believe that they were trying to go for something and they they didn't get it right, but I don't know. His, he was, I, I felt he was play-acting getting shot the shit out of. I do think it started as that. Like, hey, I'm going to wrench Bobby from the deck here and get her to cover. And then when he realized he couldn't, it turned into, well, we're both dead and I'm taking shots. 
Yeah. I, I think there was a little bit of both there. Um, but yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, our I will say that. that as far as the rushed one, um, when we were talking over the weekend with uh, Pete and Benja, I thought Benja had the perfect idea that like you cut the episode right after the, like Bobby takes out the thing, yeah. uh, the, the railgun generators. And then you start the next episode with the crew all huddled around hearing Avasarala saying there's going to be no reinforcements. You're it's you against the, the, the Pella and the rest of the free Navy. Yeah. And that I think would give you enough time to like, let these moments breathe. You could have, you know, made them more impactful. You essentially have, instead of one sixty-two minute episode, you'd have two forty-five. So you'd have an extra uh-huh. 20, 30 minutes. And people said uh, the, the response to that was like, well, you know, there's only a certain amount of minutes of television you can get on a budget. And to which I say, get rid of strange dogs, get sure. rid of strange dogs, get rid of strange dogs. Give that final 25 minutes to the 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 the, you know, the the last two episodes of the season. And I think it would work out a lot better. Um, yeah. But, you know, I agree. I, I wasn't in the writers writers room. I didn't know what the constraints they had. I didn't know, like. You, you know what what they thought they would be able to accomplish versus what they did so it's it's hard i should say it's easy to monday morning quarterback these these guys yeah and maybe there's some stuff lost in translation from conversion from script to screen but who knows who knows what happened uh devin from maine says uh poses a question here for us if you could travel the solar system only at sublight speed in the rosinante Serenity or the Millennium Falcon, which would you choose? I've got I've got a clear, clear winner here. For me, oh, it's man. gonna be the Rasinante, because those other two are busted ass ships. And there is no <laughs> way I'm getting stranded in the solar system in a busted ass ship. The Rasinante is in peak fighting condition. It's it's perfect. Uh that's it's, true. It's they always upgrades. had the the, the contracts and stuff but on the other hand if you're going to fly around and bust it up ship i would love to have uh, kaylee as an engineer to make time with <laughs> okay uh, well he didn't so say anything about which crew you get but i might go with the serenity on on that one all right all right i'm gonna assume i mean like if yeah, we can have any crew in sure. any ship uh then yeah i'll get the the crew of the the uh, get the crew of firefly on or the serenity on board the rasanante and you get the best of all worlds although i will say before we record this podcast although kaylee was... probably leave the first port because she's like there's this ship is bored there's nothing to do <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know Too man I, I was looking at the the cast list here for the expanse because i was doing research for what episode i i really loved and i i just saw their headshots in a row here and i'm like god damn this cast is beautiful so I, I might get I might get that there too with the Rasinante. That's true. I just feel like everybody's all coupled up in ways that don't complement yeah. my agendas. On Bobby's not. I, Bobby's not. Bobby's not. Yeah, that's true. You could go to Death by Snoo Snoo. <laughs> um, I I I think that uh, that's the uh, one underappreciated thing on this show is that like literally everyone in the Expanse can get it. Like it doesn't oh, matter yeah. what age, doesn't matter what faction, like. Everyone is so unbelievably hot on this show, right? It's ridiculous, kind of ridiculous. It totally is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are so they are so attractive. Uh, all right, Stephen P says regarding the hopefully not last episode of The Expanse. Wow, what a superb ending! I was very pleased to see the writers wrap up several loose ends, at least at this stage of the series, while leaving the Laconian plotline with Admiral Kuarte open for further intrigue. 
We finally get the perspective from a protomolecule infected human as Zan views his sister through a shimmering veil of blue fireflies. So many good scenes bring the series to a satisfying conclusion. Like the entire Rossi crew in the galley eating together and enjoying each other's company. Naomi making good with Peaches and Amos acknowledging her value as an engineer. And Earth, Mars, and the Belt finally working as a team to conquer a common enemy. Speaking of whom, I thoroughly enjoyed how Inaros finally meets his end. Not by going out with a bombastic bang, but a red, shimmering, entity-induced whimper. Initially, I wondered why they further developed Philip so much, uh, only to go Dutchman with his father. Again, the story comes through satisfying when Philip is shown escaping from the Pella. We finally learn that Philip inherited more from Naomi than he did from Inaros. The space battle in the episode was like the finale of a fi- at a fireworks show. The writers saved the biggest and baddest for the end, Loved the check and checkmate moves from Avasarala, setting up Holden to lead the transport union, only to have Holden resign his post to drummer the moment he becomes president. A bald move by Holden. Finally, regarding Amazon's airing of the Expanse series, long live the Bosch theory, which we talked about last time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you, you did a good recap there of all the moments that I loved in the finale. Um... And like I, I will said, say that ring, is, that, that yep. ring gate battle in 4K was even better. Like oh, I so thought it, 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 it worked, but like there's so much more there to see. Oh, one thing is like freeze frame. Uh, anytime that they're showing the names of uh, uh, the, the Alpha Bravo Charlie uh, attack force, because every mm-hmm. single one of them is a reference uh, to a classic science fiction character from movies or television or video games even. And I think they're only, if there, there's like three names, you'll probably not re, uh, be able to pick out. And I think those are ties, like Taekwondo instructors. Right, from when uh, he was a kid, so, yeah. Yeah, so anyone you you, you, you can't look up, uh, it, it's probably somebody taught him how to go hia, but... Uh, Sure. No, I, I, it, it was, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and 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 there, that is a, a nice counterpoint to the other email about like Marco wanted to go out with the blaze of glory, yeah, and just being snuffed out by a phenomenon, uh huh. <laughs> you know, it's it's like getting uh like getting taken out uh the most fearsome admiral and the the fleet getting taken out by a rogue wave, you know, not not sure. glorious death with the enemy, not it's it's it is kind of like yeah, going out like a wet fart. Mm-hmm. All right, Kim from Virginia says, like you, I was puzzled by the addition of Kara's adventures this season, but I have since come to appreciate it. I went ahead and read the novella Strange Dogs, and the series has captured it basically word for word. So we actually got two books this season. Without spoiling it, these kids do appear in the next trilogy of books, and this introduction may have been used to nudge fans to continue the story in the remaining books. Uh, thanks for your coverage of the series. It was like the show A Wonderful Journey. I just, I don't, I, I mean, I, I, okay, I guess I see that, but like, I, I always felt, felt like the, the expanse was a very confident show. And like, if I was the people that were the show, I guess I, the showrunners don't care because the show's over, but if I was Dan and Ty, you make a banger final s- season and then say that there's three more books that tell the ongoing story of this Rastanathi, like what? what fan does not go ahead and take that plunge? I don't think we needed to see 25 to 30 minutes of strange dog stuff. And also I, I do feel like that, like that's one common component for everyone saying that the strange dog stuff was good as they read the novella and they knew what to expect. But yeah. 
I don't know. Like I, I'm a, I guess maybe I'm more of a purist. Um, I, I don't think the stuff, I thought the stuff detracted more than it added and it didn't add anything to this season. Like it didn't add to my enjoyment. It didn't add to my, cause I was wondering like, where's this going to go? Where's this going to go? There's going to be some crazy protomolecule infused technology that comes through the gate. Are there going to be some protomolecule super soldiers that, that reinforce Marco's guys as they're, you know, like imagine, Imagine uh, a ship full of crew that don't need to wear spacesuits, and if they get blown apart, they get a, a hole blown through them through PDCs or rail guns. They can just reform and and heal and still stay at their posts. Like that would be, but nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm getting I, I people been starting to talk about this Dutchman shit. I find it annoying in the exact same way I found Macho Peru ignoring ignoring. Like I. I don't know what the fuck a Dutchman is. I know what it, images it conjures up in my mind. It's like the ghost uh, based ship, on like, right? It's yeah. So like, what is at some point this thing going to re uh, disgorge all the people it's eaten and they're going to be the ships of the day. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just like, I guess that's the don't theory, look yeah. this, uh, just, just save, you know, like I, we, we get it. You read the books. Congratulations. <laughs> sure. Sure. Congratulations. Uh, Macho Peru commanding the flying Dutchman. It's going to be awesome. Congratulations. I got my books on hold. I'll, I'll get there eventually, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know if this is like in this context what this could mean, but sure. Uh, all right. Christine says, you've talked about how well the show represents uh, a post-racial human society, but I thought there was extra impact to drummer's rhetoric. Um, is my word not good enough? That sort of thing. As it was delivered by Kara G., who is not only an amazing actor, but a member of the indigenous American Ojibwe people just wanted to make, uh, take a moment to appreciate Kara G and all she has brought to this moment. Uh, yes, I did not know that she was, um, part of an indigenous population. Yeah. As a Canadian, I'd, 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 I'd realized that a couple, cause I, I remember watching Kara G and Kara G interview like two or three years ago when she's not doing the Belter stuff and like, uh-huh. she's not a scary person at all no, she's really no. funny and bubbly and yeah. like she's not like drummer at all and it's interesting to see you know actors doing the acting thing but that's an interesting point and it's it's mm-hmm. almost something i almost because like i i i pay attention to some pretty fringe political spaces uh because I, I think that's where all the interesting ideas like i got bored watching cnn to talking heads arguing about abortion like 15 years ago <laughs> right I almost brought this up, but there was like this big kind of rift in, in leftist circles last week about um, some black and indigenous folks. Uh, there was a debate about like genocide, you know, like if uh, uh, a like like let's say that um, in America or, you know, uh, Southern Africa, places that are tr- traditionally black and indigenous places. What if the like the land back stuff met its logical conclusion? Like, what if uh, you know we re we return control of these areas back to the original populace? I think um, a a a a fear of white people hearing that or the colonizers is oh shit! What if they just round us up and and put us in the camps, exterminate us, put us on bo- uh, boats that we have to go back to England? Oh my God! What it would be like if we had were forced to leave our homes? Mm-hmm. and like a desire to and, and the desire to like make that an impossibility and you come you keep bringing yeah. up uh bumping up against the indigenous and black folks saying like look we have to have the freedom to genocide you people or it's not any kind of freedom at all right and i was like that first i was like god damn this is like i don't want to be genocided but i don't think they were actually saying that we want the genocide 
It's more of right. like, well, look, we'll tell you we're not going to genocide us. Are you? Do you feel safe in your country? Yeah. No, that's exactly what now, Holden said. Now right? imagine that that's how we've lived our lives for generations and generations. Like the the few the few times that you've said that you said, hey, okay, enough oppression, enough deprivation, enough disenfranchisement. This time we're serious. We're not going to do this shit anymore. Like it is interesting to like put that try that space on the other way and see how it feels and then see if that takes uh, you know like like you take that into your your politics but yeah that's the thing drummer lays that out with like hey is is my word good enough for you and then holden you know reinforces that idea too with like trust trust is not something you can just say trust is something you have to show and you have to put your life in someone's hands to trust them you can't fake it and i think that's what that's so it's it's weird that like there's this all this confluence because I saw a lot of like white left educated leftists losing their minds like, oh, my God, you're saying you want to genocide us. And I got to like a different and, and but that's that like I you know, so many people have seen the wire, um, but it doesn't it. They, they, I don't feel like they learned the lessons from it. And I feel like the expanse might be the same. It's another one. It's like, how can you watch the expanse and then not have it change the way you see the world and, and how you, you want your nation to interact geopolitically and. Yeah. You know, uh, but I, I bet a lot of people will. <laughs> sure. Oh, sure. Because <laughs> that's just the way because it is. It's scary. It's scary to trust another <laughs> group of people with power over you. But that's been the the like experience for like a lot of the colonized and indigenous people all over the planet. And it's just kind of it's 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 I think a good thing for us to to meditate on what that feels like to be put in that that scary, uncertain mental space. Yeah, kind of. Going along with this, um, Joe wrote, wrote in and said, um, I've been thinking about how the expanse depicts what we in the 21st century call identity being race, skin color, gender, sexual orientation, those things. Uh, while the show centers on the conflict between inners and belters, the characters never acknowledge the identity differences frequently discussed in the real world. Even the vilest, hateful characters like Marco don't seem to hate based on skin color, gender, or sexual orientation. Um, and he wrote a piece on this called Critical Space Theory, which I thought was a, a nice title. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which, and, by the way, are already people moving to ban, ban the, the, this teachings in, in school. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and he concludes here, he'd love to, to hear our thoughts on why we think 2021 identity bigotries aren't present in the expanse uh i do i do think it's because it takes place in the future and these writers are optimists um, and they like to think that a couple hundred years from now we could maybe get over those things um and you know we'll always have conflict right there will always be things that people want that other people have and vice versa um but yeah, I, I think it is because at, at their core, Ty and Dan wanted to write an optimistic story here. And also, I think it's a it's they are also smart and they, they see the way that labels and hatreds and bigotries change and morph over time. Um, like if you've seen uh, Scorsese's Gangs of New York, you might have a, 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 an inkling of what I'm trying to say here, which is the word white what it means today isn't what it meant at the end of the 19th century. Like Irish people weren't white. Jewish people certainly weren't white. Yeah. Italian people, uh, Jim stock wasn't white. German people were not white. And in fact, a lot of the same, 
uh, stereotypes that are used to attack, uh, you know, black people and indigenous people were uh, once used against like that. I, I did a, a podcast um, for three uh, on three right turns called the unbearable whiteness of being. And I found a whole bunch of art like that, like, um, you know, of, of German American immigrants being compared to like vicious apes, like mm-hmm. jet black gorilla teeth bared like you know you'd think of that kind of imagery of being used uh, prejudicially against black people but here they were used against what we would call now white the difference is like you know um germans italians jewish people um uh uh did i say italians uh mm-hmm. irish people have all kind of melted pot and we all kind of have a very similar pic- so that has gone those differences have gone away but there's still stark differences in physical Appearance between other, you know, like, you know, like I said, black and indigenous people, I keep coming back to that. Um, and I think it's really easy to see that same kind of drift where like Jim is just an, a, a white dude. Yeah. You know, three generations ago with his last name and, uh-huh. you know, a, a, a potential skin pigment combination kind of got for his parents. He'd be this, you know, slur ridden. You don't you, you he comes around calling your nice white American girl and you, you, you keep her close <laughs> because he's this weird cat. Yeah, just worship a different uh, pope, and it, it's. I, I think that Dan and Ty see that in the future, when like all like like this 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 Earth diaspora went out, and they they there's commentary about like it being from some of the poorer areas uh, of Earth, a lot of global South type of stuff. That the same process would happen, to where like skin tone and really, all that stuff starts, but it's like your bone density now, you know, yeah. is no, is, and is and the privilege, class. you know, it, and your class. It's class. Um, and, and that's what uh, Joe wrote, says. He says he's an entertainer and politics writer, so I wrote about the Expanse universe um, and how it's not plagued by those trivial bigotries that our society is. My thought is that they're focused on actual problems, such as finding food, water, and air, um, so that meaningless bigotry has been left in the dustbin of history. Uh, but there's still... I, I think that's part of it. But yeah. Yeah. But look at Miller. You know, like, I think that there's like, you know, what is a true belter? Look at like Marco's uh, bigotry against, you know, belters who he perceives as kowtowing to the inners or, or, you know, making the inners comfortable or, you know, like there's if you if you look between the lines, there's plenty of bigotries in the expanse and they're not all class because, you know, uh, there's rich uh, Martians, there's poor Martians, there's there's rich belters, and there's poor belters. There's rich earth earthlings and and there's wretched, you know, that was one of the lessons that Bobby learned, you know, walking the streets in New York City, right? Trying to get to the ocean is like what it's what are what is the life of takers really like, you know? Um, yeah, it's, the just, it's just I, different. I see is the, the bigotry here because you don't have a very uh, obvious say in what class you are. You're born into a class of people um, and you probably are going to stay there more than likely. Um the the thing that doesn't strike me as bigotry is like the political beliefs, right? Like, hey, are you aligned with Marco's political belief that uh-huh. the earthers, the inners deserve to die and we should throw rocks at them? Um, that's that's not bigotry, right? That's just a disagreement in politics. But the, the things like class that you can't very well change, because um, mm-hmm. th- that's the thing about like skin color, sexual orientation, things like that. You can't change those things. Um, right. So, yeah, to be to be discriminated against because of those things is certainly the bigotry there. I I think there's a lot of reasons why it would change in the future, um, but those fundamental things are still there, right? The the clashes, 
between people's ideologies and people's ways of life, um, cultures. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. All right, let's move on to Isaac from Pennsylvania. Hey, bald move guys. I and much of the fandom, I'm sure, greatly appreciate all the work and emotion you've put into covering the final for now series of The Expanse. It's criminally under-discussed, and you're doing us all a service. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I missed I missed this little bit of praise. I'd usually pull that out. However, however, he's got a however here. I'd love you uh, to put you a little to task on your criticism of the Kara Laconia arc of Season 6, primarily only treating its existence as some sort of business transaction, implying it's either set up for a future trilogy or an Easter eggy adaptation choice. For book readers, but not show watchers. Story is not necessarily plot. Often TV series going into their final seasons end up focusing their own plots so much that any room to breathe is totally lost. See Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire, dozens of others. You even mentioned how this season's plot requires less divergences. Each of the six episodes of this season have been intentionally themed and paced, trying to negotiate where that five minutes would be better used elsewhere is ignoring that there is still a whole universe the story can draw on. Kara's story is a microcosm of the Expanse world, both centering character within an odd sci-fi concept, but also reminding us of the potential that the rings gifted humanity with. When the rings open, uh, it was all grand-scale, biblical perspective, and yet it still mainly resulted in a new war between existing factions. Kara is not a distraction. Marco is the distraction. He's murdering people based only on the justification of past wrongs while ignoring everyone around him who adapts to the new world, whether it be the inners actually noticing ships disappearing in the rings or just Philip's faith in the cause breaking. Not enjoying the Kara sequences is fair, that's all preference, but I personally think the expanse should be celebrated for condensing a lot of plot into a short series, never sacrificing the characters along the way, all while creating a brand new cold open structure to the show and telling a creepy little pet cemetery tale. Unnecessary, maybe, but at least our creators and writers are still excited by their story and trying new things. Resting on their laurels, they most definitely did not. Uh, what do you think? I, 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 the interesting point here for me was that Kara is not the distraction. Marco is the distraction. Um... That makes a certain amount of sense, right? The the universe from the human perspective is changing here and they are fighting old wars. Yeah, I just think that like as far as the strange dogs thing, imagine in season three if they showed um scenes from the settlers, the original Belter settler lithium mine on Illus. Just a couple minutes, you know, they they land, they're looking, they find out that, oh, look here, we got water, we can drink. Oh, there's a giant thing of lithium, the the struggles of getting that lithium mined. And then it ended at season three and we never got to see season four, which centers the action on Illus. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be fair to complain that like, boy, all that Illus stuff felt like it was a distraction from the main plot. And imagine if season three felt rushed. Like we had big questions about like what happened at the ring gate and like what was the nature of the inspector and what I don't like we didn't have that because they didn't spend five minutes of of each episode um, establishing the illus colony. And we also got season four, even if they did. I just feel like it's like I don't understand why it's 
Like, like, I don't think we have to fight about this. You read Strange Dogs. You like mm-hmm. to see it. You like to see the expanse of the expanse universe. I didn't see Strange Dogs. It be, remained a bewildering diversion each week where I kept on expecting it to go back and, and tell me something about this current season. And it never did. Um, yeah. That's narrative fat. And it's different. Like, like uh, the Navu missing the Eros is narrative fat. But it's good narrative fat because it showed our people being clever and thinking outside the box. And it also set up the Medina station, you yeah. know, like there's like it, it, it's it, it was a digression that also built like organically and branched out. Um, and I think it would have served that purpose if we knew we were going to get a season seven and no one would be talking about the illish. No one would be talking oh, about course. this Laconian yeah. shit at all. If we we're going to get a season seven, because we know that it would it just is a weird choice to go in knowing you're not. And it did feel like uh, I, like and, and again, it's like that's my opinion. And like, uh. I don't feel like this email uh, like like um, really changed my mind on that. Um, I'm not mad and I don't think that this is a bad season because of it. I just think in retrospect, I, I think the season would have been better if we had 30 minutes to give to the last the, the final episode and split it into two or make it a one long 90 minute episode. Um, yeah. But that's just how I feel. That's my, my subjective opinion. Sure. All right. Trevor says, first off, uh, thank you for the years of amazing content. It was all uh, the the it was all it was in the glass moment. Is that is that from the Walking Dead podcast? Is that back with uh, the governor? Is that I don't know. That's that that's season two justified. I I mean I know yeah the apple pie stuff um, from that certainly, but he's talking about the Walking Dead podcast moment. So in the glass. Oh, I don't. <laughs> it must have been that Rick and Governor skit we did a long time ago. Mm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of. Anyway. Uh, he says I was he immensely enjoyed that. Uh, I'm a massive fan of the expanse, which I found following my love hate relationship with the song of ice and fire and game of Thrones mm. the show. Uh, it was amazing yeah. to find a series that with equally compelling, sto- compelling storytelling and a nuanced, but generally positive view of the nature of humanity as a bonus Ty and Daniel released the books like clockwork. Remember when people thought game yes. of Thrones would finish at the same time as the song of ice and fire. I, yes. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when George Martin just stopped writing books? <laughs> yep. Well, switch it did video games and the history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, having lazy. Having listened to the book series roughly 10 times, I, that's what that's almost as many hours as I've spent podcasting, I think. Wow. Yeah. No, it can't be. It's like half that. That's an insane amount of time. Uh, I can't see how the time jump between book six and seven represents a challenge from a casting standpoint. The reason is there are numerous references in the series to both extended lifespans and the fact that Logi environments make you look younger. Slap some gray in the cast hair, shave West's head, and you are good to go. Overall, I love the TV show and the numerous improvements they made to the book series. It felt like Ty and Daniel used this as an opportunity to improve their already phenomenal epic. That said, I sincerely wish they would have ditched the adventures of Kara the Explorer to give us the more uh, character moments. I would have loved to see more Jim and Naomi. My hope is that they keep getting to, they, they get to keep telling their story so that the impact of this mistake is reduced. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to use this as a springboard to say five years from now, I'm not even mad if they recast this thing. Sure. Because sure. like I, like every James Bond, every 10 years gets recast. Because mm-hmm. he ages out of the role, Batman gets recast. The screw the Star Trek got recast. I don't like the new Trek, 
but like my not liking it has nothing to do with how amazing Chris Pro, uh, Chris uh, Pine and Zachary Quinto step into like James right. T. Kirk and and Spock's roles. Like they they yeah, do great. It. It's 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 amazing in its own right. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind how much I love Wes and Dominic and and Stephen Strait. Like I I I they are who I see when I read the books now. You know they yeah, they. Me too. But like I don't think they're irreplaceable. Just like I don't think like William Shatner is irreplaceable. Um, <laughs> so like I think they can do that. And that's also an obvious way to save money. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the cast and crew of the Rasananti were had for a, a song, I'm sure, because they weren't very well established people. Now they are more established because of the show. So you could save a lot of money recasting. I know that would be controversial. I don't think they should do that. <laughs> sure. I think they yeah. should pony up to, to, to pay these people uh, money. But like you could do it. And also, you're you're right. A 30 year gap like you could turn that you could narratively turn that into a 10 year gap and yep. you could explain it all away with back to tanks and Martian gel and Logi And like you said, touch it gray at everyone's temples and, and everyone. It's totally. more of like they, they did that with Fred Johnson over the course of this show, right? A little bit. Yeah. And it, it it's it's more of. Why is the crew of the Rasananti still doing this for 30 years? Like, sure, you know, like they haven't settled down. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I, I that's my thing. It's like, um, you know, why is this? Wh- like, what have they been doing? Space is dangerous, especially the kind of work you do in a warship. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I, I'm just stammering here because I don't I haven't read the books. So I don't I don't know how they develop that. Yeah, for sure. Uh. All right, Ira from Chicago. Uh, first, thanks for a great show. I love the mix of recap processing and theorizing you all do. Uh, some thoughts. I thought Marco's speech to rally his troops when they were down was excellent. Maybe some of the best acting for Marco yet. Part of why it worked for me is it twisted the brave speech trope that we often see in moments like that. I got echoes from the famous Independence Day speech or even Braveheart. But here, the words were coming from a clear villain. Flipping that trope on its head really worked for me when he was like, we will rise from the inners. Uh, failures, he almost convinced me. I strongly agree with you that the final negotiation scene was so good. You had a hunch of where it was going, but it was so well written that moment to moment, I was caught in the emotional stakes of each character. It also helps that these actors are just excellent. Made me feel way worse about that final Game of Thrones Future of the Realm negotiation scene and how poorly that was done. Avasaral calling for more coffee at the end was also excellent. Good writing to hint at how much more there is to discuss and good acting to make it seem like a real moment. Uh, The final scene with Holden introducing the transport union and how it would be truly independent brought to mind Dune. In Dune, the Spacing Guild uh, has a monopoly on space travel and its establishment was monumental enough to mark the beginning of their calendar. Are we seeing the birth of a similar entity with the union? An homage from uh, the show to Dune? Homage? Uh, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if a thousand years in the Expanse's universe, they do have like a before gate, after gate, you know, BGAG, because that is yeah, for a sure. real. I mean, right now we have this completely arbitrary uh, epoch mark based on uh, a, a a person from a religious you uh-huh. know, movement. Uh, like that is so. Sometimes when I stop and think about like the fact that the modern world uses this calendar, it's based on when people kind of sort of think Jesus was born. It's it's always kind of wild to me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, 
Because that's the other thing. It's like, I guess the other thing would be the, the unification of Earth would have been an interesting epoch to change. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like before uh, UN control, after UN control, because that's a, like that would be a huge uh, new epoch in human time. But like the ring gates, like, yeah, that seems like a genuine. Holy cow. Yeah. You, you need the, the, the time. Time kind of be- begins anew. At the very least, a uh, uh, what planetary holiday, interplanetary holiday. I do love thinking about how all the different universes. Like that's something that's like people do a lot in 40k in Warhammer 40k because that's set 40,000 years, and you had a golden age that was lost. Um, and like a lot of people, like you know, the golden age was the uh the Star Trek kind of like reaching its apex, and like humans had everything, and then there was the Dark sure. Ages and. So like it's yeah like it it's kind of it, it's kind of neat to play with those ideas like what what does humanity think about the events of the 23rd century 10,000 years in the future. Yeah. Uh they they were definitely influenced by a lot of works Dune being one of them as as you mentioned with the drop team one of those people was Duncan Idaho Duncan that was listed Idaho. so mm-hmm. clearly Dune fans. Um and then finally, there are definitely parents who are part of the writing team because uh, the moments of parental pain really ring true. From Naomi's deep maternal cry when she thinks Philip is killed, to the way that Zan asks his father for a hug, she says that that broke him and he would not have been able to resist the, the child saying that, no matter how zombified he was. Uh, the sh- the show does not team. take the life yeah. and responsibility of a parent lightly. No, I thought it was like, I, I, I was glad because... Um... To see on the live watch and even we talked about that on the after show we did with Pete, like I think the vast majority of, of parents would not treat their zombified children like that. Maybe we'd all get turned into space zombies because uh-huh. we got tricked. But like, yeah, that's knifing your son and throwing him in the closet while he's saying, daddy, daddy, stop. <laughs> I would get I, I I hope the zombie virus doesn't get that trick because I would get I'd get day one bitten if that's yeah. if that's the way it's going to be. Next up, Craig T. Firstly, I wanted to say I thoroughly enjoy the finale. What these guys do on a TV budget and schedule is just amazing. When movies can have weeks to do a scene, a TV series has half a day to shoot. It's just fantastic. My older age, I've learned to relax into things like this and just let the show do its thing. I remember the season finale of the Stargate SG-1 TV show left me totally down as that wasn't what I was expecting. But after time and reflection, it turned into one of my all-time favorite episodes. I wanted to quickly mention to you that Amazon has a contract with sci-fi that covered three new seasons and streaming rights to the previous three seasons. So he's talking about up through what we've got now. It also included the rights that they could produce TV movies or a sequel series that played a big part in them making this the final season because, as has been discussed, books 7, 8, and 9 would require more resources and a bigger budget and add to, the, to that they would have to renegotiate a new contract with sci-fi, which again would increase costs. The upshot is that there's a route they could take, is just do the makers think that's the best way to tell their story. Uh, another thing came to mind for me is to do with another of your shows that you cover, Foundation, and its premise of psychohistory. Now in The Expanse, it's hard to argue that if not for James Holden, the Earth and all humanity would have been destroyed, as the protomolecule would have hit the Earth. I mean, you go a little further and say that it was if it wasn't for Captain McDowell's chance meeting with James and pestering him into a job, uh, the whole human course of history has changed. Which brings me to my point about Harry Seldon's mathematics that can predict the course of history through large masses of population. 
I would say the 30 billion of Earth, 4 billion of Mars, and countless millions of the belt should be enough for his calculations. So who is correct? I suppose with what's out there with the ring gates, uh, aliens, maybe Holden just postponed the inevitable. Um, I, I always feel like that this is a misunderstanding of psychohistory. Like, right. I don't think that Holden. Yeah. De- I mean, Holden did the what it saved the, the, the solar system. Sure. Right. Totally. But I think there was a thousand James Holden's in the solar system uh, that could have done what he did. And the situation, the 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 intense societal pressures would have brought those people, those men and women, to the forefront. And there was probably Mm -hmm. a thousand drummers in the belt that could have stepped up and and resisted Marcos. There is probably, you know, hundreds hundreds and thousands of Bobbies uh, in Mars that could have made the similar decision. They aren't unique. They just, uh, I mean, they're singular individuals. But like the pressures would have molded these lumps of coal into diamonds to shine at the right time. Um, you know, I don't He's think just it's the like diamond that, that got there first, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's like for you know that old like for want of a nail we lost a shoe, for loss of a shoe we lost a horse, for loss of a horse. Like yeah. it, it, no, like in real life, if you run out of nail, you're like, hey, you go to your other black. Hey, you got any nails? Or let's make like it, you, no, it, it's it's the things don't live and fall the way that it, it seems that way in history because right. we only see the one stream that happened. Yep. But like if Hitler wasn't there. Uh, there are probably some other pro-military, proto-fascist that was disaffected by the conditions in the Weimar Republic and the post-World War armistice that they were for. You know what I mean? Like those conditions created the conditions for a Hitler to rise mm-hmm. the same way early 21st century uh, uh, history seems to be creating conditions mm-hmm. conducive to this shit coming back for, uh, you know, yeah. r- round two. Um so I think that that and that's what that's what Harry Seldon said, like there's probabilities of things occur. But like if it hadn't happened that way, something else very similar, like um, if, if the, the emperor destroys Harry Seldon, then it's not like uh, the empire is going to stand forever. Uh, it's just going to fall slightly earlier, slightly later. So it's like that is how I have always understood psychohistory. And it is kind of a synthesis of the great man theory, which says. You had to have a George Washington or you wouldn't you had to have a Genghis Khan or you wouldn't versus like uh, what we I think we understand now, which is um, a more bottom up. Like, what are the societal conditions that force these inflection points and these inflection people uh, to take the stage? Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's that's the best way to view it. I feel like the correct way to view it. Uh, Raymond C says, yo, guys, first off, I think they did an amazing job with this season, given the circumstances. From what I understand, Naren, Ty, and Daniel outlined a nine-episode arc, and then Amazon and Alcon worked out a deal that only gave them six. So the fact that they made it still work with a third less episodes is amazing. I hate to say it, but the reality is that as much as we love the show, it probably wasn't doing the numbers that Amazon thought it needed to to justify the budget for each episode. Not to mention the fact that The Expanse has never gotten any love from the award community, and that the cachet really goes a long way when it comes to the way executives perceive a show's success. So That's take, for up, sure. take up any complaints you have with the length of episodes with Amazon. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm constantly shocked that it doesn't win some kind of writing awards. Um, Cause it is just, there, there are things they're doing on this show that very few shows do. Um, and ve- even fewer shows do them as well as it's done here. And I just, 
yeah, it gets overlooked because I th- I think honestly because it started on sci-fi. I, I think like it comes down oh, sure. to a bias in critics where oh they hear about this sci-fi show a the genre and they hear about the sci-fi channel show that is genre um and they're just like yeah that doesn't that doesn't even register no thank you i mean when the finest narrative drama is coming up on its 20 year anniversary this year the wire uh win its entire run without winning a major award for acting for writing for directing um so like it happens man like stand proud and and good company uh for not being awarded by this horse shit gamified awards show that the industry throws for itself you know for its own interests <laughs> uh-huh. um and it's it is a shame i also think there's something about the i think there's something in the deal itself with alcon that seems like it's hard for a company because like i don't even know that it, didn't, that it didn't do good numbers it's just that it wasn't as profitable as if, if amazon had owned this lock stock and barrel sure um, that can be it too and we saw that with like, you know, like AMC pulled, you know, famously pulled resources from some of the fat last seasons of Mad Men and, and Breaking Bad, or at least played hardball with those creators in favor of The Walking Dead because they owned The Walking Dead in the way that they didn't own those other properties uh, and didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't own those studios. So like, and that's what all these streaming services are looking for now, right? They don't want to yeah. have to license shit from other companies. No. They want to own everything. So it never goes in. They, that's a competitive advantage. And like, I think there's enough blame to go around. Um, and I'd also think that like whatever numbers they were getting, Amazon did a terrible job of promoting the show. Probably oh, because yeah. again, it didn't line its pockets. Like, yep. Yep. You know, um, uh, I, I, that, that's, that's, that's tough. Like, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, and, you know, we got a guy that does some shows for us. Uh, Anthony does a game of Thrones show. He just started doing a stranger things retrospective. Like if that thing really blew up, how much additional time to promote it would we do? Because like half of those profits go to somebody else. Like it's kind of like if you, sure, if you think yeah. of it, a purely business decision If Amazon, if the boys is getting 5 million guys a week and the expanse is getting, or, or, or people watching a week and the expanse is getting 5 million, but every dollar of the expanse, uh, 75% of it goes into Alcon and right. the it's inverted for the boys. Then the boys is mm-hmm. the better thing to promote because you're making more money on that. So like, I think, there was a lot of things that contributed to this being kind of like a hot potato type of thing with different networks. Um, yeah. but it's still, it's like, yeah, like the, the amount, the amount of advertising, the merchandising stuff, it just seemed like it was an afterthought and it did. It, it felt like a passion project for Bezos, which you'd think that'd be another thing that would get the deal done that like, if nothing else, Bezos would be like, why aren't my space shows on? What <laughs> happened with these strange dogs? Damn it. But that didn't happen. So what? This season was only six episodes. Who greenlit that? The fuck? That's right. <laughs> I, I, I just read an interview. These guys wanted nine. What the hell happened? You know, <laughs> I'm launching real rockets over here. What is happening? Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't get it. Here's what we need. I in, in the in the pursuit of money, in the business interest of the expanse and the parties involved. Alcon TV needs to happen. It needs to be a streaming service from Alcon directly. They can make the final three seasons, use that to launch their streaming platform. I'm in. I'm in day one. Who says no to that as an Expanse fan? I, I do want to dwell on the absurdity of Jeff Bezos here, though, because like, like <laughs> let, OK, oh, please, how many of you fans out there right now wouldn't pay five hundred to a thousand dollars to fully finance three more seasons of the Expanse? Sure. Kickstarter. And you realize that the percentage of your net wealth that that would represent is so much 
like like honestly it's like someone came up to jeff bezos like hey jeff you got 20 bucks yeah they'll make your favorite thing and he's like you know what i need that for pizza money on friday that's what's happened here how 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 did it happen (laughs) i don't know i don't know yeah no it's a real shame but also i'm not totally dissatisfied i think what we got was excellent agreed but we could have got the the budget the cast we could have gotten it all the richest man in the planet has a say on whether we get this or not and we didn't get it right yeah that, that's you know like like uh, pissing in bottles and not being able to call in sick all that like all the other hellish mm-hmm. things like this is just it's all part of a you know it's all part of a picture all right next up is kevin w i think the expanse is the best sci-fi show ever made in tv or movies my perspective is that I was a teenager in the 80s during the heyday of Star Wars and Star Trek and have slowly watched all the great sci-fi properties get corrupted by superhero mentality, bad storytelling, and terrible, unbelievable action sequences, and zero sci-fi credibility. I don't know anything about The Expanse when season one first appeared, so my wife and I started watching it under the assumption it would be yet another disappointment. Then I saw the fourth episode, CQB, which is the coolest space battle sequence ever made. My wife had to suffer through me constantly saying, wow, they got the physics right. And did you notice the vacuum and zero G realism in the railgun decapitation scene? <laughs> right. <laughs> this was mansplaining space battles. That's uh, a, <laughs> that's uh, that's, that's a degree of difficulty you're putting towards the enjoyment of the product there. Oh, for sure. Sorry yeah. to say, <laughs> uh, this was followed by frequently, I get the enthusiasm, though. frequently pausing the show so I could explain the physics. This happened a lot, which oh. is a testament to Ty, Dan, and they're in doubling down on science realism. Turns out that uh. space and physics are darn terrifying antagonists, even if so few people understand this. Uh, that I certainly agree with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, know. I, uh, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And it's, it's, uh, it is, it is a delight to see a show get try to get more right than they get wrong you know yeah um and i and honestly other than like i mean i remember grabbing like my calculator in the back of a napkin on some like the when they uh did the rapid decel uh-huh. in the rings and i'm like there's no fucking way you can and i did the math and i'm like actually yeah that is right in the like 30 to 50 g range where you're going to get a <laughs> massive amount of fatalities and injuries but probably a lot of people going to survive too uh-huh um they they do I think they do sweat the math again. You got to do you, you got to you got to buy some cork and seats that scene drive and all that. But oh, yeah. I mean, every series is I, like that. If you, I've if you thinking, love Star Trek, you're used to it. There's there's singular movies that I think stand up there, like mm-hmm. uh, in terms of hard sci fi, like the uh, arrival. Yes. Uh, I think that the new Dune movie is up in that category. But long form entertainment, I think Expanse is the finest science fiction I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, on television, I I could probably agree with that. Um, I mean, I I love I love Star Trek, I love Star mm-hmm. Wars, but as you said, those franchises have really fallen off, and no one has done like someone needs to. We talk about this all the time. Someone needs to do a proper Roddenberry esque reboot, uh, yeah, an optimistic, yeah. um, in, inquisitive, curious Star Trek with modern sensibilities and modern, you know, but like. You know, Star, Star Trek is just so old and fuddy duddy at this point. PNG <laughs> and D- DS9. Uh, oh, yeah. The Expanse feels like just a, so much. It's, it's not just an update, but it's just so much more serious, too. Like, there's more rigor. Um, yeah, yeah. That, but um, even just obeying, you know, physics uh, a little bit more 
in this series does it like that was one of the things that i liked about battlestar galactica is when you know the vipers were out there fighting they weren't flying like jets right they could flip around and do a burn in the opposite direction while keeping their momentum things like that uh that was cool to me that's kind of where i got a taste of that on television uh so yeah they they really go to the nth degree with that here and i love it yeah i think um like I said, it's. I, I think it's the best. I think it's the best science fiction I've ever seen. I, I'm trying to think of anything that even comes close to just a full package. Because the other thing about it is, uh, I think this is the real innovation in storytelling is they fully realize their villains. Yeah, yeah. Like there was, you know, like, uh, like, like even the most villainous people, Aaron Wright and and uh, Meow. Uh, they still had like you. Th- you think of uh, how many people were like, "Oh, Jules Pierre! Oh, look, he's befriending uh, uh, Prax's his daughter. He's not, you know, and he's he's realizing what he did wrong through the lens of his kind of like displaced feelings for his daughter and all that." And like then, so yeah, human. I was like, you could see yourself like you know making that, and but then he doubled down as soon as he turns out the proto molecule might yield a small still sliver of right. potential. Stuff like that, and Marco, like you know, m- many people remarked it, like in season four, that speech that that even uh, like Drummer and Ashford was like, he's very persuasive. Mm-hmm. He's using a lot of, he's telling a lot of truth here, and this is going to like really appeal to to Belters who've the way that they really just did a complete three sixty degree analysis, being fair to almost everybody. Well, also not excusing monsters like Marco. Yeah, yeah. man, I, I I just haven't seen a show do it better. I think it's like I'll even say that I think this is the best political thriller I've ever huh. seen. Boy, I haven't seen a like, lot of those. I haven't seen. When I want to think of like the ones. ones I have seen and I've read a lot of Tom Clancy and like I'm thinking of like, mm-hmm. you know, also the Homeland series, the stuff like that. Sure. Um, I, I just think this is so much better than any other attempt I've seen at like really looking at all aspects of. 21st century you know american life and terrorism and income inequality it's just i don't know maybe mm-hmm. maybe i only said it because it flatters all my preconceptions of <laughs> the world and its problems but uh and boy, it's the it, genre it, you love sure also i will say that like even even if that's true um it, it says something that this is like the only time i can think of this really nailing that that aspect you know so yeah. like maybe i'm it is just the world as i see it but like that worldview doesn't get a lot of play, uh, typically in fiction. The other one I've seen mentioned in the genre is Babylon Five, which I don't think either of us have seen. So, but remember, someone made us watch three episodes for uh-huh. a commission, and we went away. We came with just those three hours. Like I completely see the appeal. I was very and, impressed. Yeah, and and I will say that this last week I've been you know looking at the our, our Discord and I've been active on the the Reddit and I, that that name keeps coming up. People are right. like you know this big thread of like where can I go to scratch the expansion and you know people are like <laughs> saying Foundation, people are saying for all mankind and there's elements of that sure yeah but Babylon Five kept on coming up and I I feel like I gotta I can't let the bad graphics I mean what kind <laughs> right, of right kind of ignorant bullshit is that to be like oh the cgi is too stupid mm-hmm. it was it's it's like the best the 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 best uh five-year plot we've ever seen in sci-fi but the graphics hurt my feel i mean yeah i gotta get over <laughs> that right for sure yeah i plan on checking that out someday 
All right, Dr. Nick uh, says, hey, guys, really enjoyed the expanse on your podcast. That being said, I wanted to write in to express the feeling that the series finale was just a little too pat and a little too cheesy compared to the rest of the series. From the mm. fake out deaths of Clarissa, Bobby, Amos and Philip, the juvenile stunt Holden pulled with his resignation. It all struck me as way too much Hollywood happy ending for a show of this caliber. Really, the only person who suffered in this finale is Naomi because she thinks Philip is dead doesn't spoil the series or anything but i do think the finale was totally divergent from the rest of the series T- sorry not totally tonally divergent from the rest of the yeah, series yeah I, I mean i i, I will not disagree with this. you yeah and I, I i do think like you know people I, I think someone asked on the stream when we kept on coming like man i wish the the finale had 30 more minutes and mm-hmm. like i think the fake out deaths were just dumb they shouldn't have done it they didn't need to but like I'm thinking like imagine if like it really was a shit storm when Holden and there was massive resistance and like Holden was able to convince Avasaral about how and like a scene where she strong arms the Martian yeah. guy and, and Martians into going along with some kind of like smart geopolitical or I guess uh, astropolitical leverage. Um, I mean, not something hokey like, oh, we got video of you fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> sure. underage Martian or something, but, but something like substantial, like some kind of like, hey, look, we've got this miracle algae, algae, the recipe, and we want to give it to you. But like this, can't, like we got this from the belt, the belt saved our life and we need to, you know, like, like something like that, something that like believably would sh- show it's not just. James Holden and Avasarala running the solar system that there's yeah you could have and and it also gotten some drama too because like yo yeah James can do the heroic thing but unless the foundation has been laid like the powers to be can just undo it you know sure they made the law they can withdraw from it they can do all kinds so like I I think you're right I I think an extra 30 minutes would have really smoothed that stuff out and the the fake out deaths were just I, I can't defend them they're they're schmaltzy yeah yeah, it's perfect. It's to heighten the drama. Uh, that's pretty much it. I everything it works, is heightened right? and compressed here, and yeah, it does. I in the moment, I was I, caught up in it. Certainly, edge of my seat. Yeah. It's just I would have been edge of my seat without Amos being riddled with bullets. Just the situation putting yeah. them in harm's way at the final episode where anyone can die. You know, it just makes the re. I feel like it cheapens rewatches, is what it does. But I, I don't know. On the other hand, every time I watch this, sh- this finale i've seen it four times now i liked it a little bit more each time yeah yeah all right jamie h says i actually found bald move in 2018 because your expanse season three coverage and have been transiting the bald move ring gate ever since awesome (laughs) i that i because you did the thing is is when we first did this show it got nothing oh no in terms of ratings uh in terms of like downloads and stuff so it it warms my heart in a really real way to hear that we got like a long-term fan out of like that labor of love we did. I, I, yeah, I like no, it because it's a labor of love. When labors of love pull, pull, pay off, holy shit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, like The Leftovers is another one of those, right? Where if we're talking about The Leftovers. It's we're podcasting to nobody. And then eventually that turns into a big show. And uh, it's like, when what, what they say that about that, uh, that one album that, that there's like this famous quote about like, it's something that cream did or something that like only a thousand people listen to that album, but every single one of them started a band. <laughs> like <laughs> okay, only yeah, a thousand yeah. people listen to our season one, the leftovers coverage, but 999 of them are club members. <laughs> sure. 
and probably are doing podcasts in the future at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People have told us they do that too. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I really enjoyed the final episode. Uh, it had all the stuff that makes The Expanse so great earned character moments, politics with genuine stakes, amazing space battles, and badass people doing badass shit. The Expanse is the mature science fiction I've been waiting for since I first watched Star Trek The Next Generation as a preteen nerd in the 90s. Uh, Back to the episode, I know you touched on it in the podcast, but I was extremely impressed with Keon Alexander, plays Marco. He's always been serving smug villain with pretty hair and punchable face, but the scene where Duarte tells him he's been used and is on his own was fantastic. The actor emerges, sorry, emotes, the anger and frustration with his entire body and punchable face, and then flips a switch to control himself when Philip walks in. The struggle to keep his composure during that conversation and the way he wound himself up in his final speech to his crew was the best acting I've seen him do all series. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think I said something similar in the podcast. I just love that scene. It's it's something different from him in that moment. I think he's great. And it like, I mean, if you've ever read like a behind the scenes or tell all for someone that works like in staff or like a really narcissistic populist leader, it sounds like this. I mean, you, you know, the, the prima donna stuff, the instability, the abuse, uh, you know, the, the getting high on their own supply. Like it's it, it always. And, and I think he did such a great job of. You know, like I, I've had villains that I just hate because they're bad. They're just badly written mm-hmm. and they're dumb and they are played poorly, uh, like every Romulan on season one of Picard. <laughs> but I've seen like villains where like you hate these guys because they are very good uh, and you constantly underestimate them because you want to see them beat and they always and you just want to punch her. And this guy is so good at. At playing better than you, like Gal Dukat is another one of those. He's the worst. Yes, yeah, he's a he's Gal the Dukat worst. Type. He's the worst guy, but he thinks he's so much better than you. Yeah, he carries himself, and and he wins a lot. Yeah. Makes you think he might yeah. be better than you. Those are the guys that really <laughs> like make your blood pressure rise. And I feel like he got a lot, and and that's a I think kind of a brave as far as acting can be brave, a brave choice because tapping into that much hate. Like, like I remember it was a Jack Gleason talked about like people would cost him on the street as King Joffrey. Yeah. It's like, you know, and like, you know, not, not beat him up or anything, but like, that's a lot of negative energy coming back into your life. Totally. Just to portray a, a great villain. Um, I think he, I think he did a great job. Oh my God. Yeah. And people say it's one note, but I, I, I think that's what was required of the role. We've seen a lot of nuanced, interesting villains here. I don't no, no, think these, putting these... one you know grandstanding guy in here is a real problem no in, in real life these bloody revolutionaries are almost always empty suits they're they're yeah. flim flam artists they're 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 full of shit that's like yeah he's one note because if he had any more nuance or depth he'd be drummer or ashford sure or fred yeah. or, 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 or fred johnson you know what i'm saying like yeah. to get to this extreme of hatred and destruction you have to be you can't be a fully realized character you can't be introspective at all sure no 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 <laughs> but that's yeah. that's super frustrating to realize that but it is the reality yeah uh and then he goes on to say so was the ending we got satisfying yes do i intend on immediately starting the last three books as soon as i finish this email hell yes if you guys do some sort of final trilogy book podcast to fill the tv show void i'm definitely in for that 
Anyway, thoroughly enjoyed mm. the show and your coverage. I look forward to wherever we all end up next. Me too. Could could very well be with the James S.A. Corey team. Depending on what this next project is. Oh, I, yeah. If they ever came out with another something new and there was ever an adaptation of that, that would be almost certainly a day one cover. Yeah. For sure. Like they would have to convert to Scientology <laughs> and it has to star like Tom Cruise and John Travolta before I'd be like, I don't know. It, yeah. Like yeah. that would be kind of like a Damon Lindelof. Yes, we will. We will be in for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jamila. Hi, guys. I like sci fi. I wouldn't say I'm a sci fi buff, but this show sucked me in from episode one and I've been a fan ever since. I watched the final battle scene about 25 times and the music is just amazing. Especially when Drummer is getting ready in her uh, room and the moment when Bobby Draper releases the RPGs. Uh, listen to the flutes in the background, they say. Overall, I love the f- finale and I do agree that they kind of jerked us around a little bit because we thought Clarissa, Bobby, and Amos were all done for, but they survived. I'm glad they did, but it was a letdown of sorts. One of the reasons I like this series so much was all the badass women. This series featured so many great female characters who were front and center. One of the favorite scenes, uh, one of my favorite scenes, another that I've watched 25 times, is in season five when Naomi launches herself into space without the proper gear twice. The series passes the Bechdel test. So refreshing to see, and it's what keeps me watching. The female characters only got stronger as the series went on. Anyway, I could go on, but time is short. Thank you all again for the great podcast. Uh, yes, that is another thing that I feel almost surprisingly that these two male writers got pretty correct um less so in the books i think but more so once they adapted it to television um and i'm sure that has to do somewhat with the large group of people around them supporting them and it would just it just feels so anachronistic that like when you see classic star trek and like women going around in miniskirts being the you know the note takers essentially Mm -hmm. um because i think ty and dan see correctly that modern combat is like if you're a drone pilot uh, there might actually be some decisive advantages to being a woman in terms of like spatial orientation. And I, I, I don't know, like, like what the various average brain strengths or weaknesses, but certainly I, I can't see why a, 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 a woman drone pilot would be any worse than a, a male drone pilot. And you think about in terms of like, uh, you know, uh, outer space combat, that stuff is just going to get more and more where, you know, like why, why wouldn't women excel in, in these branches of, of military service? It's not like hitting each other with sticks on the battlefield anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it I, I'm glad that they, they, they did get that and, and kind of nail that. And th- there was many different ways to be badass women. Like yes. you could be badass like Michio Pa and like be the cool person. that's like taking your lover's arm off and saving his life where everybody else is like fucking losing their heads. You can be, uh, a brilliant engineer like Naomi, who just mm-hmm. will never give up and will never stop at a, a a problem until they find a solution. Or you can just be drummer, or who or, is just like she's also uh, badass, you know yeah. like like a masculine ideal of a badass, right? You or know? you could be like an Anna Volovodov, yeah, uh, an you know who who is just right, right. She's Bill she's Bridges. a very good, kind person who wants to yeah help people. Um, and that is a power in itself. I, I, yeah, I mean, Avasarala, who's just a ball busting, <laughs> sure, hardball, yeah. political bitch, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, get shit done. No, it, it's yeah. great. They did a great job. Uh, I'm happy to see that one of the improvements they made in the series was on their female characters. Uh, yeah, 
I enjoyed it. All right, A Wookie says, here's a theory I think has serious legs if the show can get picked back up. The showrunners uh, especially specifically left enough open to hopefully get this series picked up. That's pretty obvious. A big question mark was the whole five years for Peaches to live. I think they did that specifically because if it does get picked back up, the big time jump from the books will be a matter of four to five years on the show so they can keep the same actors involved. I don't know what else that uh, crew that might screw up book wise, but I haven't read any of them, but I have a feeling that's what they hinted at in the episode thoughts. <sighs> uh, okay. I'll go. You go ahead. If you got a, a take. Well, I mean, we, we definitely talked about, um, you know, how shortening that could be a good thing, especially for keeping these actors in the show. Um, and I think that makes a certain amount of sense and it would put the drama of peaches shortening lifespan, like right at the front center of that next series. So I, I don't know. Could happen. But why couldn't you do that in the next series? Like introduce the factor. Her sure. hands are shaking in an episode one. She's got the salt craving episode two. Okay. She's like throwing up and, and, and then she goes and gets checked up at the doctor and is like, you know, you guys might've noticed I've been sick a lot lately. Um, the 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 chickens have come home to roost that that unstable mod is finally kicking in and it's going to ki- like i don't understand like it's yeah. so easy to introduce at the time it's almost like weird that you know if it's like the 30 year jump then she'll be dead if it's mm-hmm. a five year jump it's almost weird to like rejoin the action with us. as you know i'm on death's sword i'm about like so we can see her die or they're going to probably come as like it is there something in the seventh book that revolves around her getting some kind of gene therapy from the proto molecule that saves her life? I imagine. Cause I can't I, like, why wouldn't could be, I don't know. Why would you bring a character into the future just to, for her to die? Yeah. So I she don't, can, I don't think this is actually what they're doing. Like I said, um, when we were talking with, with Pete peppers, I think th- what they're really doing here with peaches is they're giving her some sort of come up and price to pay for the bad things she's done because she didn't ultimately spend time in jail, right? Like she, she spent a few months in there maybe I think. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. she's, she's got to pay some kind of price, uh, to atone for her sins. Oh, and no, I think she a short lifespan is it. Cause she, she was in there before and they went to Illus and back and that's like an 18 month journey both ways. And- okay. She she paid a but little still, bit more of a price, but her father died three, in prison. So. Her father died. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's probably some connection there. A too. few years in prison too. Like I, I don't know. Right. Honestly, I think, I think it's fine that sometimes the villains don't get, uh, d- d- don't get their comeuppance, and the bad guys sometimes do. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the them's the break sometimes. Sure, uh, sure, that's realistic. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I it's just. It's just weird. It's like, hey, don't worry, guys. This person didn't get away with murder. She's going to die of space cancer in five years, tops. Like, is this? I don't know. That's like a weird thing to take a minute to clear your throat and say. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that, you know, her desire, her hatred, her anger, all those those poisonous emotions and those poisonous feelings cost her the rest of her life. Right. It's it's about the cost of those types of interactions with people um if you want to go that far i don't know i'm not sure exactly what they're trying to say i'm just trying to fill in the but why blanks. not kill her uh-huh Do yeah you, you could have also next, done that 
because like if you need her in the next books then don't do that don't do all this shit if you don't sure. need her then like honestly because that's that's a little bit like this makes me sound heartless <laughs> i am kind of shocked none of the big characters died i am too a little bit and i think it's uh it it, it i i I kind of wish maybe I'm not trying. I don't know. Maybe maybe Alex dying fucked all that up because it's Could. like that's a because that, that, that's a that's a big main character death, you know, yeah. at, the, at the end of uh, season five. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they goofed up or maybe Dan and Ty really do think that uh, everybody could have survived because I guess it's not the end. It's not the end of their series. Uh-huh. So it's kind of weird. They don't want to shut the door on doing the the next series properly and they've already gotten rid of Alex but they also yeah but you want yeah. stakes at the end yeah 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 because I, I thought maybe Avasarala <laughs> would die because they made a big point of her being like in the front lines and there's also mm-hmm. that line about like when because she's saying like she's giving drummer personal guarantees and like man it's gonna be an expanse as fuck if like at, after war drummers dealing <laughs> with the new administration trying to set set themselves apart from the old administration and wants to go I'm like oh man that will be so fucking yeah real life deliciously frustrating and infuriating and they didn't do any of those things um we just kind of to the other emailers point we got like a pretty straightforward happy ending Mm -hmm. all right uh final email here from mike h uh i wanted to end with this one because it's got a nice moment uh says gents i wrote to you guys before with pessimism about the show's ending i'm glad that my premature judgment was wrong i thought the show had a great conclusion for what it was and hope to have more expanse in my life in the future i wrote down naomi's monologue from the very end and i thought it was eloquently written and words to live by thanks to you guys for covering the show and all the best for 2022 and i'm just gonna read it because i feel like it was a great way for the expanse to go out i think it'd be a great way for our podcast to go out uh, this is what Naomi says to Holden at the end about helping people. You followed your conscience in the hope that others would follow theirs. You didn't do it for reward or a pat on the head. The universe never tells us if we did right or wrong. It's more important to try to help people than to know that you did. More important that someone else's life gets better than for you to feel good about yourself. You never know the effect you might have on someone. Not really. Maybe one core thing you said haunts them forever. Maybe one moment of kindness gives them comfort or courage. Maybe you said the one thing they needed to hear. It doesn't matter if you never know. You just have to try. I like that. I like it too because it is more important to try than to know because if you waited to know you're helping someone before you helped them, almost no one would get helped. Right. Whereas, you know, what's the worst thing you do if you help somebody? They refuse it or it backfires or, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I think, I think that trying to do good is, is the important thing. It's very yeah. Mr. Rogers take on it, you know? Like, and this you're not final note. Do it perfectly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but you'd rather the world be full of people who are trying to do good than, yeah, imperfectly doing good, paralyzed in action, perfectly yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like, I, I, this is why I say this final note here that I think the story ultimately was one of optimism and hope from, uh, the, the team here from Ty and Dan, uh, and I'm happy 
in a way that you know maybe they do the schmaltzy ending right maybe they they don't do the thing where avasarala dies and it's it's hard to put this thing together they just connect these dots because we need to connect some dots um it's 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 something we're missing right now and something that i hope this show can kind of give us as a lasting legacy but we'll see yeah i'm Gosh, I just I can't wait to read the books. Like I, I mentioned, I yeah. got them all queued up on my Kindle, and I got the I'm going to put all my other science fiction on hold until I I power through these next three books. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm gonna be right there with you. I got the audio book yesterday. I'm ready to go. Nice, nice. You'll be a, you'll have a head start because, like I said, I got plow through six. Oh, you'll catch up but, quick. Uh, you you read faster than the J- Jameson Mays, whatever his name is, <laughs> Jefferson <laughs> Mays. Mays. Yeah. I'm, uh, but I don't, I have limited time. I have limited time nowadays. And, uh, you with yeah. your, uh, your book listening, you got a distinct advantage over me. We'll see. But yeah, that's uh, it. That's where we're going to leave it it. it. it has been a pleasure to cover the expanse. I wish yeah. we could have gotten all seasons. I wish we could have gotten screeners for season four. So we could have gotten full coverage for that one. Cause I quite enjoyed it, but I really enjoyed, uh, man, there's nothing Nothing I like more than having good television and uh, getting to talk to it with an active and engaged and curious audience. And uh, I feel like y'all have been that for us these last few years. And it's really um, enhanced my enjoyment of the show. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the future for us in Expanse is. I do know that sometime this year, well, I can't say this year, whenever they release the Telltale drummer video game, uh choose your own adventure thing we will definitely be playing that and posting that through our youtube channel we'll be playing that on twitch um but i don't know like i said i if you're a club member uh i would be very surprised if you don't hear lots more expanse content on at least uh our off the clock our premium show where we we talk about the stuff that we don't have a full podcast for uh and maybe we'll do some stuff in the future but uh yeah uh also since this is the last podcast uh there's plenty more bald move we're waiting for some prestige television to come back, but we've been talking about uh, Station Eleven on our uh, uh, premium feed. Also, uh, The Walking Dead. Speaking of the best <laughs> show on television, oh god, it's coming back real soon. We're gonna, you know, we've got full coverage of that show, surprisingly, and Ugh. we are going to bash its brains in until it stop, won't get up. Uh, there's also um, what's the other stuff? Foundation that's out this year. Uh, well, coming back this year, we probably have the Hot D. The House of the Dragon. Oh, House of the Dragon. Speaking of, can, can the Game of Thrones franchise redeem itself from its uh, pant shitting in season eight? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think millions of people around the world are, are going to tune into a few episodes to see if they can. We're going to have full coverage of that. Uh, this uh, September, Amazon releases their new Lord of the Rings uh, series. Oh, right. Which... I'm very excited to see. Uh, love that franchise. Love the 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 books. Um, we'll have coverage of that. Um, so there's lots of more science fiction stuff uh, in Bald Moose future. So subscribe, subscribe to Bald. If, if you're on a belt to load it, go to uh, search for Bald Move Pulp and subscribe to that. And if you'd like to to be uh, get get even more Bald Move, we'd love to have you in the club or in the Patreon. Support.baldmove.com. All right. We're going to float off into the Milky Way to a beautiful rendition of the Expanse theme, and uh, we'll see you in the further adventures. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>